happiness in itself is not directly connected to work or private life, it's connected to all of it. Mm -hmm. So the company really focuses on helping you to live the, your best, your fullest life. When someone does something that you're not expecting, when someone does something and you feel like someone is just trying to piss you off or is, has a different opinion than yours or is trying to sabotage you, you always have a have an, the choice of how to how to um, react to that. We try to instill in people that they have uh, this assumption of positive intent, that, that your default should be, hey, someone is doing something and it, I don't like it or it's not the way I would do it. But let's just assume that that person is doing this because they, he or she genuinely wants to do good. And he or she just ends up having a different approach to this. Hello and welcome everybody to this new episode of the Sparker podcast. In this episode, we will talk about the importance of culture for success of companies and other factors that make the workplace better for everyone. And this time it is my great pleasure to talk to Timo Peltz from Facebook. I had the amazing opportunity to get insights directly from within the Facebook headquarters in Silicon Valley. Before recording, Timo took the time to show me the whole campus, which is very impressive. Timo and I covered a lot of topics during my stay in Menlo Park, but for this podcast, I wanted to focus on a short and sweet conversation about performance hacks and the importance of culture in the workplace. My name is Christian Lundsgaard, aka The Sparker, and without further ado, please enjoy this episode of the Sparker podcast with Timo Peltz from Facebook. Hi Timo, welcome to the show. And thank you very much for the opportunity to see Facebook from the inside. It truly is an impressive campus you have here in Menlo Park. And um, what amazed me in particular was the uh, large open office space uh, we were walking through just before uh, starting to record this episode of the Sparker podcast. Um, to start off, could you please uh, provide the listeners with some key facts about the Facebook headquarters? So what you're, what you're referring to was one of the buildings that, um, that we have here, which is one of the, if not the largest uh, open office floor plan buildings in the world. And it's very much the embodiment of uh, one of the key aspects of the culture here, and that is transparency and openness. Um, be open is one of the key company values, um, and that is very much reflected in the in the layout of this of this large open office building, um, where no one has a has a their own office. Everyone just sits um, out in the open. Um, we believe that it. Um, helps people to collaborate, that uh, it's it's more communicative. Um, and as you've seen, uh, as we walked through, it's not as, cr as crazy loud as you might think. It's very much a very focused place of work. And the way the building is designed is that the sound actually travel doesn't travel too far. And how many people are working here? Ooh, that's very hard to say because they, there's a very, it's a very dynamic place. So it changes depending on the projects that people work on. I'm, I'm guessing, I don't know the exact number, I'm guessing that it's between three and 4,000 people. I will back up this episode with some pictures on the Sparker block so everyone can get an impression of the space. 
But right now for the listeners, um, how would, how should they imagine this building and the space inside to look like? If you've never seen the building before, it's quite um, impressive to look at because if you look at it from the outside, the structure is that unlike in many places and specifically in the US, the parking lot is not surrounding the building. The parking lot is actually on the street level and the building is one level up. So all the cars are parked underneath the building in the shade where it gets very warm here, especially in the summer. They don't bake in the sun. At the same time, there's a lot of air flowing under the building, which which helps temperature, helps with the regulation of the temperature of the building, and then you have the um, the 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 one floor really where everyone sits and works, and then there are of course meeting rooms, and we have restaurants and other um, logistics around that, and it's not like you would imagine a big call center of rows of tables of, mm-hmm. after rows of tables. It's more, um, it's very organic. Um, there is a path that goes through it in a loop. That, that kind of leads you around. And as you walk around the building, you will see that there are these little colonies almost where teams come together and, and, and have their own space to, um, to work together as a team. You mentioned that the architecture and design of this building also symbolize the core values of Facebook. Um, you mentioned transparency, for example. Uh, what other values are embodied by this office's design and architecture? Um, we, we also talked about the materials and so on. So what can you tell us about that? Well, I think the, one of the other key um, values of this company is called focus on impact. And that means that we always focus on the best way to do our jobs. So you will hardly find a Facebook office where, where you see flashy materials or um, unnecessary structures. So the, the materials that are used are very much just in the service of the people working there. And the philosophy is that give people what they need to do their job and don't go, um, don't go way over that. So it's not as flashy or impressive as you might think in terms of, of high-end materials used. Um, it's very much functional. And all of this could also be reshaped and adjusted fairly quickly, right? So, um, which is also kind of a referral to how quickly the technology and the company is uh, evolving yeah i mean in general you will see that and that is true for for any facebook office that you that you visit in the world that there's there are certain aspects of it that reflect our approach to um to how we work and that is that we don't ever want to get that feeling that we're done with what we're doing because we're working on such an amazing big goal as on a company level that this tenet of we're only one percent finished is very much you can see it in the buildings where, for example, we have open ceilings where you can see cables and, and, um, and tubes coming through. Oftentimes people think we're under construction and in, in a lot of ways we are, mm-hmm. but it's actually a design aspect. Of course, this whole mindset is not only implemented in the architecture, but also um, applied in the intersection of the space and the processes behind it. Uh, one example that I uh, liked especially was the uh, vending machines. Uh, with keyboards and charging cables and etc., uh, that that we found all across the office. Um, could you tell us more about those? What, what do they exemplify? It follows the same aspect of um, of making it as easy as possible for people to to do their job. And if you if you look at the way we handle I um, technical support, it goes along that way. Where on the one hand you want to make the work of the the people that do the tech support here as as easy as possible, and at the same time you don't want people to have to wait a long time for a new adapter or a new keyboard. Um, so we make these things as as accessible um, as possible. Yeah. 
this is just one example of how you want to make everyone more productive at Facebook. Um, what other, let's say, performance hacks do you see happening here? The biggest, and I wouldn't even call it a hack, the biggest factor here, I think, is that people are just genuinely um, interested in the work that they're doing. There's an intrinsic motivation to come here and to do work. And um, the vast majority of the people here just loves coming here because you like and, and you appreciate the people you work with and you're really invested in the projects that you work on. Um, oh, and then, you know, on a more tactical side, um, we have a philosophy here in uh, some of the larger teams that doesn't look at a separation of work and, and, and life or you know, private life and work life. Um, you're looked at or we perceive people to be a holistic human being that has parts of it are happening and parts of your life are spent at work and some are, are happening in your private life, but you don't become a different person after you go home from work. So happiness in itself is not directly connected to work or private life, it's connected to all of it. Mm -hmm. So the company really focuses on helping you to live the, your best, your fullest life, because that directly translates into you um, being more happy. Mm -hmm. And that means you're, um, you're less likely to, to, to be depressed or you're less likely to be grumpy at work or, or mm -hmm. not as productive or efficient as you, as you might be. Could you give us some examples how Facebook tries to keep employees happy and engaged? Well, a very, very good example is that um, if you have a goal, uh, let's say you want to run a marathon by the end of the year, that means you will have to spend more time practicing. Mm -hmm. um, so you share that with your team and the people that you work with, and they understand that this is important to you. Um, so the company gives you the room to take more time to go for a run in the middle of the day to... Um, to, to make this a priority for you mm -hmm. and not have it interfere with um, with other things that might be going on. And at the same time, the company encourages you to make, to learn new things, to, to get new experiences that are not always directly tied to your core job. We also support um, learning and development in that area, of course. But then there are other things that you might want to accomplish learning a new language, for example. The company will, will, will give you the room to do that. What are other ingredients of a productive workforce that um, contributes to the mission of the company? Um, before we started recording, you mentioned at Facebook you don't incentivize individuals, but more often you incentivize teams. Um, how does that work? Well, yeah, so there's um, this, this relates to not, not incentivization, but to goal setting. Okay. Um, and so we often have a, a situation where separate teams share shared the same goals which which kind of enhances this way of looking at things from a cooperative point of view rather than a uh, point of view where you go into um into competition mode right so whenever you understand that you're not in it for yourself or you just your team is not in it just for themselves but you're sharing goals across teams it's it becomes a situation where when one team loses the entire project loses or the the greater team loses mm -hmm. so this this naturally supports um a very cooperative um work environment where compromise is is, is oftentimes easier reached now of all the aspects we talked about um over the last couple of hours during my stay here um what are the things that other companies can easily apply themselves without using up too much resources or um, anything like that? Um, so I, I definitely, I personally believe that transparency 
uh, and openness is something that is very much important. I have worked in other places before I, I started working here, and their information has often been treated as a currency. And that leads to, it, it really um, poisons the workplace when people are left guessing and they don't know what's going on or why are we making decisions in a certain way or, or, or what is happening. So the fact that there is a very open and transparent culture here, I think, is something that's uh, that contributes to a lot of uh, different things. And then another area that I feel that every single person can start doing um, in their work life is, and that's something that I haven't, I've never, I haven't done this my entire life, but I, the moment I started doing this after I, I learned about it here, it has had a profound impact. And that is um, when someone does something that you're not expecting, when someone does something and you feel like someone is just trying to piss you off or is, has a different opinion than yours or is trying to sabotage you, you always have a have an, the choice of how to how to um, react to that. We try to instill in people that they have uh, this assumption of positive intent, that, that your default should be, hey, someone is doing something and it, I don't like it or it's not the way I would do it. But let's just assume that that person is doing this because they, he or she genuinely wants to do good. And he or she just ends up having a different approach to this. Mm -hmm. This might not always be the case, but it changes the way you approach a situation. It changes the way you react. It, it, it makes your day less dark and it mm -hmm. doesn't poison your soul as much. Mm -hmm. That is something every organization can adapt right away, I think. Um, is, that, is that something that has to come from the leadership or can it be a grassroots kind of thing? What do you say? <laughs> that's, that's always very hard to say. Um, it depends. If you look at Facebook, Facebook is, is not a company that's been around for a very long time, right? And obviously here, the culture has grown organically. So mm -hmm. the answer to your question here is we did both. It, mm -hmm. it's, it comes from the top, but at the same time, it's reinforced from the bottom. Mm -hmm. um, I personally believe that a culture can only exist if the people that are the leaders are living it mm -hmm. and they're setting an example. Yeah. Um, so, but, but on the flip side of that, even if the leader is the best example ever, if people don't follow suit and they don't believe or buy into the culture, um, it's not going to spread either. So there, it's not as black and white as you might think. Yeah. Um, but I think it's definitely helpful if, if leadership drives it and fully believes in it. What experiences did you have with Mark Zuckerberg or Cheryl uh, that were proof of them living by the same principles like other employees. Other well, I don't know how openly I can I can talk about this, but what I can what I can say is that um, every person that works at Facebook is at the end of the day someone who's an employee at Facebook, mm -hmm. and um, the leadership here doesn't have their uh, have their have their own corner office. They sit at the same tables that everyone mm -hmm. else sits at. Um, they go to the same cafes to eat. Mm -hmm. um, and they act just like normal people. And that leads to us perceiving them as normal people. From the extended conversation we had before recording this episode, um, it, I had the impression that another important part at Facebook is the way you approach decision-making. Um, Facebook's mission is to connect the whole world. And obviously, it is crucial to um, correctly prioritize so you can reach this large goal. Um, how does the decision-making process look like and how do you prioritize? Well, first of all, um, people are encouraged to make decisions here every single day. We encourage um, 
boldness, to be bold, to be courageous, and to to not be afraid to fail. Mm -hmm. um, because failure is always a great learning experience. Mm -hmm. um, and the decisions that were that are made across the company that I think are more um, far-reaching than most are actually not the ones about the things that we end up doing. They are more about the things that we don't do. Mm -hmm. um, ruthless prioritization is something that's very much important uh, here. And it oftentimes comes down to um, there are seven or eight things on the table that you could potentially doing, and they're all worthwhile doing. But with the resources at hand, you can hardly succeed in all of them. So it comes down to prioritizing and figuring out where 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 you can have the the highest, best, most impact, mm -hmm. and to be able to uh, to pursue that. And how do you evaluate where you can have the highest impact? Like in many other areas here, there isn't one way of doing things. Mm -hmm. So I can possibly ever tell you what the one or how how the company in itself does it. I can tell you how I uh, approach it, and that is oftentimes um, you lean into the people that you work with. You, you have the privilege of working with brilliant minds here. Mm -hmm. So I I would consult people, um, get their opinion. Um, I look at um, of my own resources, and I and I I judge what I think I'm capable of doing. And, and then uh, there's a certain point where you're just going to have to make a call. And sometimes it's, um, it's based, if you're in a very data-driven part of the company, it's probably based on data. But in other areas, uh, it sometimes is a gut feeling. Now I would like to do a little thought experiment and turn everything upside down. So far, we've been uh, looking for the ingredients of a productive and happy workplace. Um, in contrast, how would the worst workplace look like in your opinion uh what what do you think would a workplace look like that is doomed to fail well so i i before i joined facebook i worked in um in advertising mm -hmm. and um which is why i appreciate this job so much because in advertising i didn't really have exposure to um i'm not i'm not going to throw advertising as an industry under the bus mm -hmm. but there are lots of areas um in advertising where um people are not encouraged to make decisions where as a lot of the things that we just talked about where mm -hmm. information is is withheld mm -hmm. where people aren't appreciated where you feel that the company doesn't really care about you as an individual and those are the things more than the wrong process or um, the wrong um, approach to things, those are the things that inevitably end up um, hurting the company because that ends up um, discouraging people. It, it contributes to people burning out quicker. It ends up with people not caring about the job that they're doing or the name that's outside uh, of the building on the door. Mm -hmm. um, and when that happens, uh, I think that's a, that's a fast track to failure because people just don't identify with, with their work anymore. <laughs> Basically, a company is nothing more than a tribe of people who want to achieve great things together. I, in the most ideal case, um, I would say so, yeah. By now, it should be clear that to a large extent, it is all about the people. Uh, how do you get the right people inside the company and how do you keep them? A lot of companies only look at qualification when they hire. And while that is a very important aspect of, of any hiring process, um, I feel that it's often neglected to look at the attitude of people or the, the culture fit, if you want to say so. So um, just because someone is, is very qualified for a job 
doesn't necessarily always mean that that person is a great fit for the company, mm -hmm. right? So in order to not have someone join the company who contributes on a work level but doesn't contribute on a cultural level, it is very much important to to have that as an as an important part of the hiring process. So not only should you should you look into the qualifications, but into the way that someone approaches problems, the way that someone approaches conflict, and how they deal with the difficult situation, mm -hmm. um, because that says a lot about how they uh, how they end up contributing to the workplace. And once they are inside Facebook, what keeps them engaged? From my personal point of view, it comes back to appreciation, right? Mm -hmm. um, getting to do the things that you that that you that you really enjoy doing, um, having a certain level of autonomy, getting to work with brilliant people, um, having having the privilege to contribute to the, to the, to the mission of the company. Um, those are all factors that I think are, are in the end contributing to your intent to stay in a place or to not stay in a place. Um, yeah, I guess that's my answer to that. Does this bear the risk of hiring people that are, um, too similar to each other, uh, which in turn could lead to blind spots inside the company? Well, I think I think you need to differentiate between culture and and mindset. Mm -hmm. um, the cultural thing is openness, right? Mm -hmm. But openness can mean um, that we both believe different things about a certain topic, but we both feel that we're in the spirit of openness. We can talk about them, mm -hmm. right? So it doesn't mean that we always have to see eye to eye, um, and everyone uh, is encouraged to be their true self here. Yeah. So. Um, I don't really see this as a, as a problem as long as people stay true to the, to the values um, of the company. You gathered work experience in Europe as well as in the US, here in Silicon Valley especially. Um, of course, even though this is an oversimplification, uh, can you nevertheless um, name some, something Europe could learn from the work culture and the mindsets in the US and particularly in uh, Silicon Valley? I'd, I'd say one is to talk less and do more. I feel like um, we're getting to a place where um, across Europe you see more people talk about a change of, uh, of attitude, a change of culture, a change of approach. Uh, with, with digitalization changing the way people work and live, these things are becoming more front and center on, uh, on, on C-level agendas. But I feel that oftentimes people miss the right point to turn um, theory into action. Okay. So to, to, to start by starting mm -hmm. um, is better than to just have the, the seventh or the eighth round of a conceptual approach drafted by some strategy board yeah. and to always think about things before we end up doing them. So, and that, that segues into another thing then that's is to risk more and to fail more mm -hmm. um, because only through failure are you able to really learn the lessons that you need to learn. And then the third one is um, is probably, um, is, um, and I keep coming back to this, is to be a little bit more transparent and open and trusting um, in your people. To give them the opportunity to do things, to trust them to take the right risks, to trust them to make the right decisions. Mm -hmm. These are great points, but still remain uh, pretty abstract. Uh, are there concrete ways how a company and its leaders can demonstrate trust to employees? Well, failure is is uh, is part of the of the culture here. So I don't. Um, I, and there are different ways of failing, right? So if you if you fail and you um, and you um, 
create damage or you break the law uh, or you are reckless. That's obviously not what I'm talking about here. Mm -hmm. But taking a calculated risk and failing, I have never seen someone suffer from that or being punished or reprimanded for that. And it's quite the opposite. Oftentimes, those are exactly the people that are celebrated because they're courageous and because they're, they're, um, they're taking leaps. That sounds good. I would say this is an inspiring point to round up our conversation. Encourage people to take leaps. Thank you very much, Timo. It uh, was a pleasure to get a feeling for Facebook from the inside. And I very much appreciate you taking the time and sharing your insights on this episode of the Sparker podcast. I would say, let's take off into the weekend. All right. Happy weekend. Thank you very much, Timo. Bye-bye. <laughs> All righty, ladies and gentlemen. I hope Timo and I provided you with an insightful conversation. Personally, I had a blast having this conversation with Timo and getting an inside view of how Facebook is organizing its workplace in Silicon Valley. Some of you might know that I've been writing about Facebook's 10-year roadmap on my blog, sparker.ch blog. Well, I've been skeptical about Facebook's attempts to get into your brain and other fascinating plans, I've also been amazed by the work culture I witnessed at Facebook's headquarter during my visit in Menlo Park. Make sure you check out the Sparker blog where I write about future trends and also check out the other episodes of the Sparker podcast where I take a closer look at the mindsets and principles of outstanding people and organizations, just like we did today with Timo at Facebook. You can find all the episodes in iTunes and also on the website, which is sparker.ch slash podcast. Once again, S-P-A-R-K-R dot C-H slash podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a new episode. Have a great day, everybody, and see you next time.